All right, my friends, welcome to another episode of Heart and Hustle, visionary healers, movers, and shakers. And I am your hostess, Paulette Ristini, your movement motivator, your passion instigator, your lifestyle and business coach for creatives, among many other things, as is our guest today, a multi-passionate woman, entrepreneur, mother, musician, designer, animator, oh my gosh, Shireen Straussberg is here with us from New York City, or close to New York City, <laughs> as we just Thank discussed. you. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. I'm so excited you're here. Oh my gosh, I just love hearing about all the things you've done. And I mean, I'm a musician too, and uh, just being multi-passionate and making, making a road for yourself. I mean, you yeah. your own path, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I really had to make my own path because there were so many, I had so many interests and I was like starting off in music. Um, but that wasn't, um, going to be for me because there wasn't a work-life balance. And so I really had to try different things. Um, and I did graphic design for years, sound engineering for years, um, and eventually found my way to motion design, which I felt was great because I could run my own business and make my own schedule and really have the work-life balance that I wanted. So let's back up though. So what you said when you were, you said you started out in music and you didn't have the work-life balance. So what was that like for you then? Sure. Um, well, a lot of it was that in order to survive economically, in order to, you know, make money and survive, I needed to be working multiple jobs and having multiple revenues. Yeah. So, um, in order to do that, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, I was basically working at national public radio as a sound engineer. So I was up at like four or five in the morning to be at the recording studio and be on the board, you know, mixing board, you know, by 6am. And then I would work a full shift, eight hours. I'd come home at like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'd write music for three or four hours. And then I would be going out at night to do networking and to go to film screenings and meet with directors and producers and to generate more projects and business for myself and then wake up and start all over again. It was exhausting and I loved it, but I just, it wasn't sustainable. And that's what's really And you were probably in your twenties. Of course. Yep. I mean, I, I did the same yeah. thing. I had like five jobs. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's great. And it's fun, but it's definitely not sustainable. And that's, that's the scary thing I was thinking, okay, I could foresee the fact that I wanted to have kids. I didn't have kids yet. I wasn't even married. I wasn't even, you know, like with someone at the time, but I knew, okay, this isn't quite going to be a long-term mm-hmm. opportunity uh, for me. So, and was that on the East coast or was that in, in LA? That was in LA. I was working in Los Angeles. Um, and I, I did love it. Um, but I, I knew I wanted to have kids. And then it was actually when I, I met the man who would become my, my husband, he saw what I was doing. And he also knew that I did want to eventually have kids with him. And, um, he was the one who said, why don't you go back to school and study graphic design? Uh, he saw how good I was with sort of computers, but also being really creative. And it was wow. being able to filter that creative energy through, through the a digital world, being able to work with software and, um, and work and iterate very quickly. Wow. And so then you, you went back to school and you married this fellow <laughs> and now you have three babies. Yes. We have three kids, ages three, six, and nine. And, um, and now I run my own business. What was funny is that after we had, uh, two of our children, I was working full-time as a graphic designer in-house. 
Um, but I was never allowed to work from home, which is ridiculous today in this post pandemic world of everybody working remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but I was so <laughs> frustrated that I was just never able to, you know, really, you know, spend a few days a week, um, being at home versus being in the office. Um, my work was, you know, really digital. It could all be done, you know, on the cloud. And I was like, well, this is frustrating because yeah, okay. I do. I can get the day off for like their holiday breaks, but what about when I want that day off for like my kid's school play that it's not at night and it's during the day or, you know, all the days of being sick, all the days of kids being sent home early because they have a fever or runny nose. And today it seems like any runny nose is, you know, immediately this kid is sent home. Um, and so when I had a six month old and a three and a three-year-old, I decided to start my own business, um, which seemed crazy at the time and still seems crazy today, but it's also, (laughs) I don't know if I would have been able to have a third child if I didn't have the flexibility Mm -hmm. that running my own business affords me. Wow. And so was that still in LA? Uh, no, at that point I had moved to Los Angeles. So basically I kind of moved, I'm sorry, to New York. I moved to New York, like right as I was finishing school and getting like my first junior positions in graphic design. And I really had to start over. I mean, I was doing two internships in Los Angeles and right around that time, my husband got a job offer in New York. And so I sort of had my first junior position in New York city and then, um, took a year off. I was actually three weeks shy of family medical leave act, um, for, uh, to, to allow for my family medical leave act. So I didn't even get, um, a full three months off from my first job after having my, my first child. So I ended up leaving, um, and taking a year off and then went back for like my second sort of not, not no longer a junior level position, but like a mid-level position, uh, in New York at a a large nonprofit in the city. And so, and then you started this animation type technology technology work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Motion graphics. I mean, is really the way to sum it up. I mean, motion graphics is really just graphic design that that moves. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. the text, it's the shapes, but it can be a lot more complex than that. It can be characters, it can be illustrations. Um, but it really brings all of my careers kind of full circle in terms of understanding the rhythm and timing from music, knowing how to edit and Mm. mix audio from sound engineering. And then the graphic design work works really well for the visuals of motion design. Wow. Isn't it funny how all of our past interests, I mean, if you allow it to happen, if you dream of it happening, how it can all coalesce and come together and be this beautiful thing that you're doing now. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it wasn't planned this way. It just kind of happened, but it's like with everything I was doing, I was, I was true to myself. I was doing what I, what I was passionate about at the time and enjoyed. Um, And I just kept, kept following my interests and seeing where it, where it, where it took me. Um, And then I really found, you know, a combination of all these skills coming together, but also the work-life balance. And I think that that's what's really made it work for me. That's so great. I mean, I can remember back in those days too, you know, I was, I was in the fashion industry when I was in New York city, I was, I was studying photography. I went to art school. I was playing music. I was dancing. I was writing. And my dad would say, when are you going to do one thing? And I'm like, I'm not going to do one thing. 
it's just there's too many things I want to do. Yeah, and but I, how, I completely. But how does it come together? You know, yeah, even back then, no. I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to bring it together, but it's going to happen. It's right, and the thing is, um, I completely understand that. And I think that for a long time, I got this feeling or this, you know, accusation of like, oh, you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I heard someone recently kind of rescript that and say, no, 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 it's a talent stack. And I love that term. Oh, I like that too. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what I have. I have a talent stack and I'm going to keep stacking up all the pieces until I'm, you know, doing all the things that I love at once. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. You know, and there, and some people can't do that. They have this one thing and they are a master of that. Right. And then there's people like us who want to explore the world. I mean, it's different. There's no judgment there at all. Um, but I can't do one thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I totally get it. I have a I'd, lot of different interests. Yeah. I'd be doing, um, I'd be doing, you know, I'd shoot myself or something if I was doing just one thing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because sometimes I'm, I'm, I still feel this, this feeling, this impetus of like creative exploration mm-hmm. and something I started doing about three or four months ago is I wanted to continue that creativity, but away from technology, just as an alternate to, to keep my, my creative juices flowing. And I actually started learning pottery. So here's like the, uh, one of my first dishes that I did. And, um, I, I, I have tons of bowls around my desk filled with pottery. <laughs> I love that. Dishes I'm making. I love that. I think that's really important too, as a creative to continue that growth and expansion. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be precious. It doesn't, you don't have to sell it. It doesn't have to be a product. Right. Right. Absolutely. Sometimes I think we get stuck in that. And I mean, I know that I have been stuck in that before. It's like, Oh, if I spend my time doing that, I have to make it, you know, I have to make money doing it or whatever. Right. Right. I think the, I mean, although Etsy is so great in a, in a sense, it's, it's commoditized the, um, the, 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 the side hustle, um, sometimes too much or, or made the, the craft or the hobby seem like something that has to be, you know, bought and sold all the time, right. but right. not, not necessarily. But it's just expanding your own horizons, you know, and even if you did pottery today and you decided, yep, done with that, you know, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I have, I have no qualms about that. Yeah. Sweet. I love that too. Oh, so good. So you have three children, you work from home. So how many hours a week do you think you work? Well, it's interesting because it's really ebbed and flowed as, as the things have changed with the kids and with the business. Um, basically before the pandemic, I was probably working maybe averaging about 25 hours a week. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, I basically had to stop. Yeah. I had three children who were no longer in school. <laughs> and I mean, right. Like that, it was like, okay. I mean, and it was in a sense, it was fine because there were also not projects coming through. And so I kind of had to stop. And, um, I also felt like, well, okay, I'm not working quote unquote, not bringing in money, not working on any projects for clients. So I got to do something or else I'm going to kind of lose my mind. So I ended up taking on a, a passion project in 2020 and I created an animated short film that took me about a year to make. I just finished it this summer. Um, thank you. 
Um, but then of course, you know, the kids did go back to school and they are knock on wood in person. Now they're, you know, wearing masks and, and it's, it's pretty good. But, um, but then business came back with like fiercely and it's now my business has tripled three times as much as it was previously. And I am probably, I would say working definitely 35 to 40 hours a week. And to the point where I really need to be spending another five to 10 hours on the business, not even just in the business. And I've now had to delegate. And for the first time I've gotten help with getting a virtual assistant. Um, And that's a big leap for me. (laughs) That is a scary thing. Absolutely. It was really scary, really hard. And, but once, so are you in it now? I mean, do you have this assistant and you've kind of got some methods? Yeah. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a bumpy road. Um, I hired a, like a back office kind of company where like they did uh, lots of different things, but then I felt like that was a little bit of a struggle because I was managing too many people and I was like, okay, wait, I'm better off finding a virtual assistant who can have all the skills that I'm looking for mm-hmm. specifically and just communicating with one person. So that's something that I'm recently starting out. This is the first month of that, okay. but it's, it's trial and error. I mean, it's about finding the right people, the right places to, to be working with people. Well, and it's not only finding the right people, but it's learning how to delegate and how to mm-hmm. let go of the baby. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, there was definitely a little bit of like a leap of faith on my part that like, well, I really should be doing all the graphics for my newsletter because I'm a graphic designer, but no, it doesn't have to be there. You know, I'm sure there are signage companies to get someone else to do the signs for their storefront or, you know, it's, and I mean, sometimes there's also the the shoe cobbler whose kids don't have any shoes. I mean, you know, I just felt like I would rather be spending my time on my client's work than just doing all the work for, you know, presentation of, of my own website and, and, and I think, you know, if you, if you allow that to happen and you open yourself up to all those possibilities and thinking of how you are also benefiting your VA or your employee or whoever that person is, um, I mean, I, I've gone through that over the years, training my dancers to be teachers, training my teachers to be master teachers, which means giving up part of myself so that they can do it and have the joy and the income and the reward and open themselves up to all their possibilities. And then, I mean, I guess that's why I'm a coach, but (laughs) because I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's important. If you can let go and share your knowledge, your skills, your income, your whatever, wherever that is. And I think that's really important as entrepreneurs, because sometimes we're so afraid of letting go or I can do it better than her. So why should I waste time trying to train her to do that or him to do that? Right. Yeah. it, It, I feel like it has mentally freed myself to find more opportunities and to do the things that I really want to do. And, and it's not even necessarily only on the business. I also am doing teaching. I'm an assistant teacher at um, an online animation school called School of Motion. And I love the idea of being able to work with new people coming into this industry and lend my knowledge there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you've, you've turned, you've turned from not just the creator and the worker, but into a teacher and a, a sharer of the joy and the skills. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's all helping me, me grow in my business and my industry. Um, and, and also just, I've, I've been doing a ton of networking and that was actually, it's interesting. The question you were asking about how many hours I was spending on the business, you know, in 2020, when everything went remote and all the work was kind of drying up, I really used that time to network a lot and really focus on relationship building. And so much of that relationship building was able to really come to fruition in 2021 and hopefully moving forward. Yeah. Well, you are very, um, well, you're so many wonderful things. You sound, I said, you sound really focused. You sound organized and getting help. Now you're getting help. Um, but you're also making the time for your kids, your family. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. I, I, I really believe in that. And, um, I just didn't want to be away and miss things. And, um, I'm really able to be, to be present and to see, to see them growing up and, and doing the school play and, um, (laughs) being able to, uh, show up and do the Halloween craft on, on Halloween day, um, because I can make my own schedule and be there for those extra little volunteer opportunities. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Your kids are very lucky kids. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to, I want to step back now because I'm a musician too. So are you playing music? Not, not really. I would say, right. There's something that's got to give. And I really don't, I'm not playing anymore. I would say on occasion, um, my two little girls, um, are both in ballet. And so on occasion, I will have them get into their leotards at home before class and I will play piano and they'll dance around the room. And, and that's a lot of fun. Um, but I do, I do miss it. And, um, I also feel like, okay, it's never going to be completely gone. I I'm not going to forget how to play. Um, I'm obviously never going to be at the level I was at, you know, having taken lessons for 20 years after, you know, finer senior recitals in college. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, I've, I've had to make space for, for new things. Nice. Nice. It will never go away. Yeah. What about you? So what do you play? Well, I, started playing organ. That was my first instrument. And I also was also a classically trained ballet dancer back since I was, you know, little tiny thing. And, um, and then I taught myself guitar when I was around 12, uh, and mostly played guitar. Then when I was in my twenties in San Francisco, I started being in punk bands and rock bands. And so I was playing keys again. Nice. Uh, so I had a couple of different keyboards. I thought it was Emerson, Lake and Paulette, you know, <laughs> uh, and they did that for years and then played a lot of Middle Eastern music with my dance troupe. So I played a lot of hand drums and percussion. And now I play guitar again and I play old country music. <laughs> oh, nice. That is, I, I love the, the mix of genres that it just different places in your life. You were doing Not exactly. See, multi-passionate. Yeah, and, and the beautiful thing about all that is, is that my husband is, is an amazing bass player and we've been performing on stage together for 40 years from the day we met. Oh, fabulous. That so he's really actually nice. gone through those genres with me. 
Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. That's fabulous. So, so it's really fun. So now we're just playing old country music with a bunch of guitar players and fiddle players and whoever wants to play with us. Nothing oh, big, nothing big. And sometimes I don't play for a couple of weeks and sometimes I play all the time, you know? Wow. That's wonderful. I'm jealous. Maybe there will be more time to play music. Uh, when the kids are a little bit more grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it will never leave you. Exactly. Did you, did you find that you were, um, it sounds like you were writing songs. Yeah. I mean, it was classical music. So writing film scores. So it was orchestral music. Um, and again, it was through computers and sampling. So it's like, I would basically write on the keyboard and then I would score it digitally through mm. the software. Um, I mean, I can play flute and oboe and a little guitar, um, but I wasn't doing the the music with live instruments. It was all through, you know, the technology of, of sampled instruments. Just right over my head. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, live performing to me is, is really scary and stressful. I very rarely performed live. Um, I mean, through grad school, I was uh, the uh, a piano piano bar, uh, uh, a pianist in a bar in a restaurant, uh-huh. and that kind of helped uh, just give me some extra money. Um, but that was the real extent of performing. I've always really liked to be behind the scenes, so that actually kind of fits with a lot of what I'm doing, even as a motion yes. designer. Um, and I want the you, artwork. That, you write yeah. music for any of the the movement images that you create? Sure. I mean, I haven't written any custom projects, but there have been times where a client is looking for music for their project and I'm animating it. And I'm like, you know what? I actually have something in my library. That is something I wrote, you know, 10 years ago. And I was like, I'm going to use that. And, um, that's fine. Oh, that's That's awesome. I own the music. I own the rights to the music so I can use it however I'd like. Fantastic. So, okay, so I always love to get into the idea of and the subject of self-care. Wow, that's a big <laughs> subject. That's a big subject, but really important too. So really what important. do you do for yourself, like on a daily basis or a weekly basis? For me, my, my biggest escape is what I'll call it, <laughs> or self-care is another way, um, is, is running, um, which is a little bit crazy. Cause I know it's not so great for my bones. Um, and actually, uh, not to get, not to get too personal, but I, um, I have an autoimmune disorder and I have polyneuropathy in my feet. So I basically can't feel my feet. Um, it's a little bit, I always, in order for anyone else to understand it, I explain like, you know, when your feet fall asleep and you're like, oh shoot, and you kind of are stepping on your foot to try and wake it up. Well, it's like my feet never wake up. It's like, I just cannot feel them. And, um, so I, I know it seems like running would be a terrible idea, but my doctors actually really want me to stay active and be active and try to get, um, my, my neuropathy to, to go away. I, I, I do immunoglobulin injections every week. And, um, I really do my best to try to stay active and running to me is so great. And so much part of that, because although I'm, it's the physical thing, obviously I'm on my feet and using my body, but it's also that 
there's the mental is that it's outside. I never run on a treadmill unless it's like mm-hmm. 10 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm running outside. I live right by the water. So I'm like running along the wow. bay and seeing the boats. It's so beautiful. It's obviously getting fresh air. Um, and I know I, again, I know it sounds a little crazy, but I don't listen to music while I'm running. I actually listen to podcasts <laughs> and then here we are. <laughs> um, and often it's podcasts that are of other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what gets my juices flowing, hearing about other people in business, other women, um, other moms, other, other business owners and that's what gets my juices flowing and gets my, my speed up. I love it. I do the same thing. I'm a runner too. I love it. Um, and I don't listen to music when I run. I definitely listen to podcasts, uh, sometimes books. Um, there's a really great book that you might really enjoy called the joy of movement. Mm, I haven't heard and, of um, she, um, I just, because there was a woman who had some similar, uh, thing that you have in the book, she, cause she talks to a lot of her clients and stuff, but a uh, really great book about movement. And you know me, I'm all about movement. So, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. but that's just wild that you can't feel your feet and you're running. And that's gotta be so, um, uh, empowering. Yeah. Scary and empowering. Right. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, this could get worse. Um, and, but hopefully not. And while I have the ability to do it, um, I want to keep going and keep running and I, I'm running about at the speed most people walk. So it's not, it's not about, you know, the speed or how many miles I do. It's just about, you know, keeping my heart rate up and getting a little bit of a sweat going and that feeling of, of, of being outside. Absolutely. Yes. And you go first thing in the morning. Yep. I do. I do. (laughs) Early in the morning is really good. I love that. I used to, honestly, I rode in college. I was a rower. I was on the crew team. And so I woke up at four 30 in the morning and I loved it. And it's like, you know, by the time 8am rolled around, it was like, all right, I'd already, you know, done accomplished a lot. And, um, and I love that. And I I think that that's never changed. Like I'm going to have that in me forever. Uh, is there anything before we wind this up? Oh, this has been such a great conversation. Um, anything you want to say to our people out here? Any um, advice or? Sure. I mean, oh my gosh, I have so many pieces of advice, but I think one thing that you kind of mentioned earlier is about not being afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that can be in so many different formats. It can be asking help from family and friends or paying somebody to get help, whether that's mental health or uh, coaching help. Uh, there's also a lot of free services out there. There's a lot of mentorship programs. Um, I find that I've gotten help through paying coaches, but I've also gotten help through finding mentors, whether it's just being teachers or people whose work I admire and, you know, asking them to give me some feedback. And I think it's just this, there's this feeling of like, don't be, you know, like, oh, I I can't ask for help that shows weakness, that shows vulnerability. And it's like, no, actually to me, it's the opposite. It shows that, you know, it's empowering. And you don't have to do it alone. Right. Exactly. I think that it comes down to that too, not just the, oh, I can do it all by myself, but it's like, we are here for connection. 
we are here for community and we are here to support each other. Exactly. And it's interesting for me in terms of being a mom, when I first had my baby, I joined like four different mom support (laughs) groups, which is a little excessive. Um, but they were there, they existed. And it was like, okay, you have a new baby, get some help. Here's mommy and me groups. And I, that, that mentality of like, okay, well, we don't have to raise our kids alone. We can get support. You know, it takes a village. Why can't that be that concept expand to entrepreneurs? Why do we have to run our businesses by ourselves? No, we can get help. We can get support. Um, so it's that same idea. It takes a village to raise a business, just like it takes a village to raise a kid. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about that. It's all about tribe and, and finding your people and getting connected and, and sharing and allowing yourself vulnerability too. Exactly. Yeah. It is, is, it can be scary to ask for help and to reach out to people and find a support group. Um, but I think in the end that vulnerability, it turns into empowerment. Yes. Beautiful. Well, Shireen, oh my gosh, thank you for spending time with me. And thank us, you. Thank all of us you. out in Heart and Hustle Land. And thank uh, you for listening to all yeah, your listeners. So good, so good. And I wish you the best. Um, you. And I will put all of uh, Shireen's um, contact info and Instagram and all that stuff down below, so you all can get connected too. And um, just so great. So here's to a fabulous rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you and all your listeners. Thank you. And thank you everybody out in Heart and Hustle Land for being here, for sharing yet another bit of your time with me and us. And if you like this, please subscribe. Um, Stay connected with me and stay connected with Shireen as well. And many blessings to all of you out there. And until we meet again.